Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. I'm John Siegley. Today I'm joined by Sherelle McMillan and Brian Ives from ESPN Stats and Info. Guys, I want to say thank you all for joining us today. And what we wanted to do is to talk some stats. This is you know, our semi-regular basketball statistical podcast. And Brian, I wanted to start this one off talking about UNC's three-point shooting. It's been a hot topic discussion on the message boards and just among UNC fans in general. I think this last game, there was a record broke with was it three points attempts or three points made? I don't have it in front of me, but I just remember um, there was something significant. Yeah, um, I think UNC sent out a release, and I believe it's correct that this is the first time under Roy Williams that North Carolina has attempted more threes than two pointers. I bet you that made Roy cringe and could probably hardly sleep at night with that number. <laughs> but as you could see, Carolina needed them, and they were hitting them, thank goodness. I think they were 15 or 31. That's a one shy of the most threes they've attempted in any game on the road. They attempted 32 back in 2012 against Mississippi State. But for better or worse, that's what Carolina's going to have to do this year. Um, we know they're not going to get much production from the big men. That doesn't mean they can't get production in the paint, but they're not going to get much production from the big men. So, you know, a lot of their scoring going to have to come from threes. And a lot of it, I think, if they're hot or not. I mean, we saw Kenny was hot in the first half. Cam Johnson was hot, particularly in the second half. Joel Berry kind of came on in the second half. So um, I think it's a how they feel type thing. But, man, if you're a traditionalist, if you like old Carolina basketball inside out, that was a shock for you. I know Rel is, is a is a old-school guy and likes the uh, interior play. But um, it, it was something to watch. It was a unique game. Well, Ralph, talking about that, what were your thoughts on seeing Carolina shoot so many threes against Clemson? It's still weird. I know this is the new norm, at least for the majority uh, or the rest of the season, but it's still just just kind of odd. We've talked about it a few times. I've seen different people start to write about it, but we truly are in bizarro world when, you know, Duke thrives on two guys in the paint, super athletic guys in the paint scoring at will, and North Carolina thrives when they have, you know, five shoot, four or five shooters on the court. So it's it's very new, it's very different, but I think in switching kind of to another topic, people always talk about how regimented and how rooted in his system Roy Williams is. But I think this season proves that he's going to do whatever it takes to win, that he actually can adapt. You know, he's done it before. He did it in 2013 with P.J. Harrison. But this team is even different from that team. Um, so I think people have to, you know, give him some credit because this is not a style he's comfortable with. It's not a style he really wants to play, but he knows that this is his best chance to win. So he's not as rigid as a lot of people think. I don't want to scare people here, but um, so Carolina's attempting 21 and a half threes per game. In the last 20 years, that is the, that's the second most they've attempted per game in the last or third most, excuse me, in the last 20 years. The most, I don't know if people want to know these seasons, 2001, 2002, when they went 8 and 20, and 2002, 2003, when they went 19 and 16 and missed the tournament. Those were Matt Daugherty's final two years. Obviously, the game is completely different now of how basketball is played. Um, you can see it, especially in the NBA, and it's trickled down to college. But I think when people see so many threes, they might have sort of flashbacks to seasons like those um, that really like, oh, we just had to shoot them because we weren't that good, you know, to keep in games. I don't think Carolina's quite like that. Now, they're making 8.3 per game, which would tie the most in the last 20 years. 
um, sort of shooting a solid percentage. But I think when people see that, see all those threes, it kind of has – there's some scarred memories, I would say, on um, when they see Carolina teams jacking it up at that rate. The other thing, too, is, you know, we, we can – not like it, but if they're open shots and the shooters are good, people always talk about take the best shot, not the first shot or the second shot, but the best shot. And a lot of times for this Carolina team, a Cam Johnson three from the wing or a, a Joel Berry three from the top of the key is the best shot. So they still are playing within you know the confines of what people expect from Carolina basketball, which is you know play smart, play hard, play together. Uh, it's just a little bit different, as Brian said, to, to adapt to the team that they have. And, and to be sure, Clemson is actually is a very stout defensive team, particularly down low. Elijah Thomas is a very good defender. They're just a big – if you just look at them, they're just a big team. So and Carolina, obviously, is an experienced down low. Their best post man is not a guy who's going to go over people. So I think this game also catered more to that. And I think Carolina is a much better shooting team at home. So I think at home they are shooting 41% from three away from home. So that includes neutral site games. Uh, they're shooting 36% from three. So I think there's a comfort level, too, that also plays into how um, the Clemson game played out. And then on the flip side, Brian, how many two-point shots is Carolina attempting this year, and what's their percentage shooting on those? They are actually shooting a perfect 50% on two-point field goals. Perfect is in the sense that it divides perfectly. That doesn't necessarily mean 50% is perfect. Um <laughs> But that's, I mean, that's good. They, they still score in the paint. I believe paint points per game, well, it's actually dropped a fair amount. They are, they're averaging like 35, 35.6 points per game in the paint. That's uh, 24th among major conference teams. That's 6th in the ACC. So it's pretty low for UNC as far as rankings. I know they led um, the ACC and were second behind only Utah, I believe, last year in paint points per game. So it is a departure. Um, that number has gone down recently because Carolina's played some superior size and competition than they were early in the season. So they still score down low. They still score a lot of second-chance points, about over 15 points per game on second-chance points. They're just scoring differently. So I'd say they're not the most efficient Carolina team you'll see, but um, still doing a solid job inside and then two-point shots. It was interesting, too, on on uh, Tuesday, and I think this is going to be a theme. We talk about how hard it is to play on the road in ACC play, but if you go back to the Boston College game, when they were coming off of two losses, the amount of energy they came out with was was pretty amazing. I mean, you could see it, everything they were doing. They were cutting a little harder, screening a little harder, rebounding harder. Cam Johnson had eight rebounds in the first couple of minutes. And then they go on the road uh, to Notre Dame, and they looked kind of, I'm not going to say lackadaisical, but it just didn't seem to be that same pep in their step, that same pop. And then you go to Tuesday night, and you saw some of that same energy again. So I think we're going to realize just how important the home court is for UNC. And, you know, they, they lost to Wofford, but they still have a, a pretty substantial ACC winning streak, ACC home game winning streak going. So um, I think it's going to be really important that they protect home court. And if they can come out with that kind of energy the rest of their home games, then I think they have a chance to run the table at home. Oh, and then yeah, what did I, you I, say, I say, Brian? What was the shooting percentage at home versus away for the three points that you said earlier? Um, I believe it's it's like forty one, forty two at home and thirty six on the road. Um, that's not unusual. You know, teams are more comfortable in their own gym, but I think that does lead credence to you know how they're going to probably shoot more threes at home because they're more um, more comfortable doing so. And not even the shooting, just the, the rebounding. You know, I, I, I'm not telling you to look this up right now, but I bet the rebounding splits 
are pretty significant between home and away just because it's so much easier to play with energy so much easier to play with emotion and passion when you're at home you know when there's all the people standing up the, the crowd's going crazy and everything um and you're just comfortable so I bet a lot of the splits, and again, as you said, that's not uncommon for any team, but I think for this particular Carolina team, it's going to be even more important than usual. And I think, I mean, going six and nine from three and scoring 21 points, your his high Carolina helps. But if you look at Cam Johnson's home away splits, shooting 48% at home from three, averaging 14 points per game in four home games and in four road games or away from Chapel Hill, because that includes Ohio State game. Um, eight points per game and shooting 29% from three. So I don't know if it's that simple. I mean, of course, they played Ohio State, which is a good defensive team. Florida State's a good defensive team. Virginia's a great defensive team. And Notre Dame was just a disgusting game. So it could be obviously about the teams they played because that's not Boston College or, or even Clemson. But you can just see it just in him alone kind of represents how Carolina's sort of offense is taken off more at home than on the road. Now, you mentioned earlier, Brian, the second chance points. Is that still a key element of UNC's offense? Are they still getting that production in that area? Yes. Yes, and they have to. That is even more so than playing, even more so, honestly, than the secondary fast break. That is Carolina. Um, Second chance points, paint points is what they do. It's what they've done for decades now with Roy Williams, decade and a half, I guess. But it it's what they live off of. Because we've said, they haven't always been the best shooting team, but they're going to go get the ball. You, if you watch, if you just watch Carolina play, they usually after the guy shoots, all four players will be looking at the basket. I'm not, all four players aren't necessarily boxing out, especially these days, but they're all looking at the basket and seeing if they can go get that ball. You'll rarely see a Carolina player after shots released start running back on defense. I think it's a huge part of Carolina's offense because they've traditionally been so big. Um, that helps. But even this year, they're until the the Notre Dame game, they were the best rebounding differential team in the, in the country. And this is not a team with superior size. So I think it's going to be harder to do with the smaller lineup. If you give me a little bit, I'll look in to see how they've rebounded with that smaller lineup. But um, it has to be a large part of Carolina's offense for them to be successful. Yeah, I would definitely be interested in getting the rebounding numbers from that smaller lineup because I think it was the Notre Dame game that Carolina got out rebounded I think it was maybe by eight or nine rebounds but they were still able to pull off that victory and I know there was a lot of lamenting on the boards and I think even Roy in his postgame conference mentioned that the small lineup does have its drawbacks and obviously rebounding is looked to be one of those so if you do have that set available Brian yeah I'd, I'd like to know that if you could so they've, I mean, we forget the first game they went small. They was Boston College, I believe, and they got every rebound in sight. I mean, it was just, it was absurd. They rebounded Boston College 58 to 23. I think that's, that's up there near the biggest rebounding margin or the most rebounds Carolina's gotten ever in a game under Roy. Um, I think they got 62 against Duke one year, which I think was a win at Cameron, if I remember correctly. Since then, though, they were out-rebounded by, like you said, eight against Clemson, I mean, against Notre Dame, and then they out-rebounded Clemson by three. So in the two games since, they've been out-rebounded by teams that aren't, um, I mean, Clemson's big, but they aren't exactly, they aren't Duke, you know. Um, yeah. And Notre Dame is certainly not big. Uh, they, if anything, should be a team you should dominate in the boards. I mean, they 
they give a lot of effort and they're very well coached. But Carolina has struggled on the boards the past couple games as relative to its opponent. So it'll be interesting to see if that continues. Georgia Tech is their next opponent, and they have some. They have, I mean, Ben Lambert's is a big dude who's going to get some rebounds. But again, that's a team at home that Carolina should be able to control the boards against. So I think that'll be another interesting litmus test for the small lineup because that's something that Carolina probably doesn't want to see um, continue. And Brian uh, Lambert's is he's among the the conference leaders in blocks, correct? Yes, he's. I mean, he was Defensive Player of the Year last year. I believe. Right. Right. Wrong. So he. Um, That'll be interesting if you want to transition into Carolina's ability to finish around the basket. That's um, kind of where I was. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) It's tough to say. I think people point towards the point guard, Joel Berry, and his inability to finish at the basket. Um, And and if if that's what your eyes are telling you, you're right. He's shooting 42% at the basket. That doesn't include post-ups. He doesn't post up. So it's pretty much all his shots to the basket. 22 for 52. That's not great. That's last among qualified players on the team. That's one of the worst in the ACC. So you are seeing that, um, which is which is frustrating for Carolina fans. They've seen Ty Lawson. They've seen Raymond Felton. Um, even Page is a, is a crafty finisher down there. So it's frustrating, I think, for Carolina fans, especially when you'll have the guy on the other side like Bryce Johnson or Kennedy Meeks to, to clean up the mess. But, you know, that's just something Carolina's going to have to overcome. And that, that leads me to, I think, a bigger point. And one of the true weaknesses on, on this year's team is that they don't have anyone who is an elite finisher at the rim. And I know people laugh at the phrase elite and what does it really mean? But it, it's someone who you definitely feel comfortable with finishing at the rim through contact on a fast break. I mean, there's been several fast breaks that just look very disjointed and look like they were harder than they should have been. Part of that is because you know Theo Pinson is a very good finisher, but Kenny Williams, he, he's a solid finisher, but he's missed a, f- a few what we would consider easy layups. Cam Johnson doesn't necessarily have the strength to finish through contact. We talked about Barry's issues, and then the young big guys just you know aren't strong enough. And so that is a real problem for North Carolina. And we talked off air some about the block percentage, uh, the percentage of their shots that are blocked. And, you know, Luke May also isn't, he's not a vertical guy. So that's another example of someone who might struggle to finish against Lynn. So we talked about North Carolina's block percentage off the air. And I, I think that's something to be concerned about if you're the Tar Heels. Is that fair? Yes. I mean, it's the highest it's been under Roy Williams. Um, it's the it's the highest in the ACC. So North Carolina gets a higher percentage of their shots blocked than any team in the ACC, which really, if you think about it, shouldn't happen. I know they're young. I know they have guards that maybe aren't, aren't you know, the elite athletes, but it's not like these, a lot of these other ACC teams are rolling out the uh, <laughs> the creme de la creme of athletes. I mean, they're all ACC basketball players. They're all very good, but they shouldn't be able to really stuff Carolina at the rim like they are. I was talking with someone the other day, and if you had – again, this does not include post-ups, so when the player gets his – this kind of might tip it off. But when a player gets his back to the basket, you know, does a hook shot, whatever, this doesn't count plays like that. But who would you think on Carolina's team has the highest field goal percentage at the rim? I think it's a question that would – or an answer that would that would surprise folks. I'd go Theo Pinson. And I was going to say Theo right. as well. Okay. No, it's not. It's actually Garrison Brooks. Mm-hmm. Now, like I said, keep in mind that doesn't include post-ups, which have gone poorly for him almost exclusively this year. But when he gets the ball up around the rim, he's making 69% of them, which is in top 25 in the ACC. So you can see there's some there's stuff there that can happen, but the problem is it's infrequent and, you know, it's tough. Luke May is actually not far behind, so that's a good sign for Luke, but it's not a team that, you know, just going to take to the rim. It's clear this, this team's going to go how their perimeter goes. 
and speaking about the perimeter, we talked about the three-point shooting earlier, but what about jump shots? Is that a stat that Carolina has anyone doing well in? Because I've seen probably more jump shots you know, to the naked eye this year than I can remember under a Roy Williams team. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know about the raw number of jump shots. I mean, I don't have that with me offhand. I would take a little bit to look up. But, yeah, they shoot a lot of jumpers. I believe there's a big difference for them between contested and not contested. So spot-up shots, that's generally what you consider a jump shot. So, you know, they're they're doing pretty well. I mean, they're shooting 39%. That's not horrible. It's not great. But um, spot-up jump shots, you know, make a 39 And that's a frequent, according to Synergy, that's a lot of their offense. So Carolina's most frequently in transition, which is perfect. That's especially with this team, with these wings. You want to get out in transition. Um, and their next most frequent situation is a spot-up jump shot, and they rank among the best in the country at converting those. Now, I think a lot of it has to do with, in the half court, whether they're contested or not. I think we see a lot of times Zulberry will take some contested jump shots. But, yes, he um, will. He's, he's not been the best at them. He's had, I mean, we all know he's having a, not an off year shooting, but like his shooting percentages have gone down each year of his career, and that probably has something to do with usage rate and players and just the role he has. He's the number one person on scouting report for opposing teams. So that makes it much more difficult. But overall, UNC's done well. I mean, they're shooting 39%, like I said, spot up 37% overall on jump shots. So I don't think there's anything to worry about Carolina's jump shots. I just think whether it, which ones they take. For example, on catch and shoot shots, probably 40% of them have been, or not sorry, 60% of them have been guarded and 40% of them have been open. You'd like to see maybe that them not shoot as many guarded shots. Sometimes you can't, but Carolina is usually putting up a shot pretty quickly in the shot clock. So maybe a little bit more patience would help, but um, that's not really in this team's or this coach's DNA, which is fine. It's very successful. Don't know if I rambled there at all. The jump shots are, you know, they are what they are. They're 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 a good jump shooting team as long as they can be sure to, to shoot them when they're open and not force them up when they're guarded. And, and this isn't really... That's that, you know, I don't think there'll be any discussion from this. It just fascinates me when I go through and look at, you know, the traditional stats for the season. Joel Berry's taken 133s this season. And remember, he missed North Carolina's first game. Sterling Manley and Garrison Brooks have combined for 150 total shots this season. So that just tells you, it just tells you how perimeter oriented North Carolina is, how much of a green light Barry has this year from Roy Williams. I don't think Roy really gets that upset when Barry takes shots most of the time. There are some here or there. There was one, uh, I think it was a two-pointer on the baseline, the far baseline against Clemson. That mm-hmm. was kind of rushed. There was a couple of those. But for the most part, he, he can take the shots. He's earned the right from Roy to take the shots when he kind of wants to. So and so that, I just I just so, find that fascinating. Yeah, I mean, I just briefly pulled up his stuff. I mean, he, on catch-and-shoot shots, so that doesn't include the shots where he kind of dribbles around and pulls up, which he does fair amount. He's taken 40 of those shots. He's shooting 31% when guarded, 43% when not guarded. I mean, that's no surprise. It's easier to shoot when you're not guarded. The problem is he's guarded 65% of the time. And I don't have, I mean, I apologize. I don't have a whole lot of context where that's high or low. It's just he's taken double the amount of shots when he's guarded than when he's unguarded. And that's um, on spot ups so or is that on? That's just on, that's on catch and shoot shots. Catch and shoot. Gotcha. Um, off the, off the dribble, he's only shooting 33%. So that's kind of like the, that, those are the ones that I think fans see and you're like, man, you're just sitting there dribbling for five, six seconds and you pull up out of nowhere, you know, without a pass or something like that. Um, and sometimes that can, that's very just being an alpha male and going and getting a bucket and it works a lot, but, um, it's not Carolina's most efficient play. 
I think Justin Jackson did a little bit of that last year sometimes too, but the difference is there was Kennedy Meeks Bradley and Isaiah Hicks down low to clean up a lot of those misses, whereas they're more glaring this year because Carolina's not getting as many of the rebounds as those misses. And this isn't meant to pick on Joel Berry. He's just clearly the guy who takes these shots because he's the guy on the team to take those shots, especially when, you have, when you're paired with Theo Pinson and who should not be taking those shots, as many fans probably know. And we'll end on this one, Brian. Out of everyone that's on the roster right now, who is shooting the best? Um, it has. Only pull. It's it's Kenny Williams. I'm almost positive. Uh, well, actually, no. <laughs> well, it depends on how many shots you. I said, let's um, yeah, let's uh, yeah. say like you know, off of it as someone that's you know not part of Blue Steel. <laughs> yeah, Brandon Robinson's shooting 50 percent from three, six of twelve. But I mean, I was just limited. He had two huge ones against Clemson. The one from in front of the Clemson bench was maybe it's because of the TV angle. It was one of the remarkable, like, I was like, he just threw that up there and I had like overstretched, outstretched arm and it went in. But um, he's done a very good job. He's someone that needs more love, in my opinion, on his defense, everything about how he's played recently. But of course, Luke May, I think we always forget, is the top percentage-wise shooter on the team um, with a decent amount of attempts. He's shooting 48% from three. Kenny's 43. So those are two, I mean, if you have two guys shooting 43% or above in your starting lineup, Cam's up to 40%. Barry's 38%. Those are four guys shooting 38% or better in your starting lineup. You get to understand why Carolina's shooting a lot of threes. Now, they'll have games where they're super off. The, uh, Theo Pinson will have games where he shoots four threes, and it's, it's ugly. But you see why they shoot threes. So they have three, four really good shooters in their starting lineup. I'm still in awe, in awe of what Luke May's doing. Just the percentages, they jump off the page. Even, you know, his conference versus all game splits are, are really good. It's just really consistent. It's that 17 and a half to 18 points, 10 and a half to 11 rebounds. I think he's still around 50% from three in conference play. And I think he's at like mm-hmm. 46 or 47 um, in all games. So that, to me, that's just, I still can't get over that. That's, that's true. Oh, just amazing. Now his free throws are bizarre, shooting 15, 60% from the free throw line. But yeah. I think I still trust him. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy, but I still don't mind him going to the line. Um, and he, I mean, in my uneducated, humble opinion, he, he kind of won that game the other night for Carolina. His defense down the stretch was huge. He had a couple big blocks. The outlet pass, I think after Clemson maybe cut it to three. I don't know what they cut it to. But to Kenny Williams on the other end was beautiful. There was a guy all over Kenny Williams. And he dumped it right over the guy's hand so Kenny could lay it up. And he hit the shot. He hit a three and then hit a shot exactly from where he, from the Kentucky spot. I think his play down the stretch against Clemson really, really helped Carolina. And I'm not sure they win that game if he doesn't come back from his stitches. Yeah, he's basically the irreplaceable person. I mean, him and Barry, the offense and the team just could not exist without those two guys, in my opinion. I completely agree. Well, Brian, hey, I really appreciate you jumping on here. And for the listeners out there, I did want to also let you guys know that if there's a particular stat or a topic that you know, you're interested in hearing us talk about, let us know. You can contact myself and Sherelle McMillan on the boards. Drop us a DM, and we will try to fit it into future podcasts. But that will do it for this one. Thanks again, you guys. We'll talk to everyone soon. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com the independent voice of UNC sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.